0: God, we just lean upon you this morning and pray for your hand upon everything we do and say today. Thank you for it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. Again, it's so good to see you here. We're going to begin today. We're going to read from Jonah chapter 4. If you have your hand out there, you can turn to it in your Bible. We are going to refer back to the book of Jonah as time permits. Amen. Let's read our Scripture text, as we get into this this morning. Amen, it's good to see Ron and Helen here this morning. Amen. Sister Helen called me a couple of days ago and said, "We're planning to come to church, but keep it a surprise. Make it a don't tell everybody. <laughs> Ron wants to surprise people, and so. And uh, we're glad that they're here today. Jonah chapter four, verse number one. Scripture says, "But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was very angry, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd, but God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. It came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, it's better for me to die than to live. God said to Jonah, doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Then said the Lord, thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, labored, neither made it it to grow, which came up in a night, perished in a night. And should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousands, thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? Amen. So as you can tell, we're talking about Jonah, and these series of lessons are primarily from the minor prophets, last week's brother, last week Brother Jones talked about He talked about uh, Amos, the prophet Amos. Amos, of course, was a minor prophet. And the minor prophets are those 12 books, the end of the Old Testament. Uh, they're, They're called minor not because of their significance or importance, but they're called the minor prophets because of the length of their writings. And there's the major prophets, which, of course, are Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel. But today we're talking about Jonah. Next week will be Hosea. Uh, The following week will be Obadiah, but Jonah is perhaps one of the most well-known stories in the in the entire Bible, and and that's probably because this man was swallowed by a fish, a whale, and so kids have heard the story about a man being swallowed by a fish, you know, for years, and they know about this story, and. some people have dismissed Jonah. They said, "Well, it's it's too fanciful. It's it's, you know, it's, surely it didn't happen. It's just allegorical. It's just you know, it really didn't happen." And um, but I would say this just at the beginning that if you believe in Jesus, then you believe in Jonah. Because Jesus believed in Jonah, and Jesus said, "As Jonah was in the belly of the well three days and three nights, I'm going to be in the earth three days and three nights." And he said that that Jonah's generation is going to rise and condemn this generation because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And so Jesus believed in Jonah, and so should we. So Jonah's story, if you, if you have your Bible or it'll be on the screen, I'm, I'm going to kind of just go through Jonah's story very briefly as we get into this so we can talk about God's great mercy. But Jonah chapter 1 is where, is where the story of Jonah actually begins and God calls Jonah, chapter 1, verse number 2, God calls Jonah, he said, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. And so God speaks to this man and says, I want you to go, go to Nineveh. Well, the, the, one of the things that is significant about this is that you have a, a Hebrew prophet going, having a call to go preach to a Gentile city or a Gentile nation Uh, this is this is a a prophet of the Lord and he's being asked to go preach repentance to Nineveh one of the most wicked cities that committed all kinds of atrocities and God's telling him, I want you to go preach to Nineveh and tell them to repent (coughs) Jonah's like why should Nineveh get an opportunity to repent why should I preach to Nineveh I don't want to go to Nineveh I don't want to do this and so Verse number three, Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So Jonah, he just, he goes the opposite direction. His response was, I'm going to run. I'm not going to answer the call of God. Um, I'm going to go to the opposite direction. And, you know, it says he went out from the presence of the Lord, but just because Jonah distances, his, distances himself from the Lord, tries to run, tries to get away, tries to hide. Just because he, he goes the opposite direction doesn't mean his call is over. It doesn't mean God's done with Jonah. Just because he runs and ends up down on the sides of the ship, because God's going to go after them. You know, as they say, you can run, but you can't hide. So he gets on the boat, verse number 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. So Jonah says, I don't want to do what God's calling me to do. I'm going to go hide. And so he finds a place down inside the ship. But God's going after him. This is what God does to people. When he calls people, he goes after them, especially when they ignore him, when they, when they say, I don't want to hear what God has to say to me. And they run the opposite direction. God starts going after them because he's merciful, not because he's trying to condemn them, not because he's trying to crush them, but because he's merciful. And so God begins to rock the boat, so to speak. And the sailors on the boat, they start having this conversation. Why are we in this storm? Why is the boat rocking they quickly figure out, it's Jonah's fault. Jonah's the cause of this. And so the shipmaster or the captain goes to Jonah. Jonah, if you're the reason this, what are we going to do with you, Jonah? Jonah said, well, I'm done. Just throw me overboard. I'm, done. I'm just done with this. Cast me overboard. Verse number 12, he said unto them, the captain, the sailors, Take me up, cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. But still, God was not done. Jonah said, I don't want to live. I'm done with this. But God was not done with him. So, verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And it's 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 notable. It's it's interesting to see um, what happens when God calls people, when God begins to whether it's salvation or it's ministry or some calling that God puts on a person's life. It's it's interesting to to um, just step back and look at the inner turmoil that begins to take place when God begins to to move on somebody. automatically there is this tension in a person. It's a struggle. Again, whether God's calling somebody to be saved or somebody's calling, God's calling somebody to go do a work for him, automatically within us, when God deals with us, there is resistance. When God called Moses, Moses, I want you to go deliver God's people out of the land of Egypt. What? Not, not me, God. You've got the wrong man. I can't talk. I can't hardly speak this Hebrew language. God, you've got the wrong person. Uh, but you know, whenever Moses obeyed the Lord, something great happened as a result of that. There was the struggle, there was the tension, but, but the result was that God's people were delivered when, they answered, when he answered the call. But there's always this struggle, this, this inner tension. The, the Bible says in, in Galatians 5, 17, it says, it says the, the flesh lusteth against the spirit. The flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and it even says they're contrary to one another. There's this struggle, it's, it's, it's a stretching, it's a, it's a tension that's going on inside of us when God is, that's, that's what's happening to Jonah. God's telling him, Jonah, I want you to go preach to Nineveh, but I don't want to preach to Nineveh. There's this, this turmoil, this, this tension that's going on, I, I don't want to do, the, it's, and it's it's just it's just it's something that whenever um whenever we deal with the tension and we deal with the struggle whenever we whenever we work through those times it's 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 exciting to see what god does through people um you know and i'm i'm trying not to stutter around here today but it's it's just something how that um God uses people and how we grow and how we how we become stronger in the Lord and it doesn't come just because we we go hide in the side of a ship like Jonah did God was going to use Jonah to do something great the whole city's going to repent repent at the preaching of Jonah but Jonah had to deal with the own the this the, the struggle within him and you know I was thinking about a guitar string and when you take a guitar and you put a string on there, if it's just if it's just tied on each end, and you start trying to flop that string around, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything good. But when you start turning the the knob, and there's probably a technical term for that, you start turning the knob, and that string starts stretching out. And you start going doom 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 doom. And it starts making the right sound. But the string's not going to make the right sound if it's not stretched. If, it's, if, it's not, if there's not a certain amount of tension, it's the same with the piano. When you strike the key on the piano and it, that hammer hits that, that string, you know, a piano tuner takes his tool and he tightens the string so that it's at the right tune. Then it makes the right sound. People are like that people have to be stretched if they're going to do something great for God, if they're going to, if they're going to, it doesn't work just to, to step back and say, God, I don't want to do that, but if we're going to do great things for the Lord, we do have to be stretched, don't we, amen, and so, um, it's, it's, it's what comes out of struggle, it's, it comes out of tension in life, it's, uh, a baby that's born, is a, a beautiful baby, is the result of struggle. Um, it's, it's just, and what's true in the natural is true in the spiritual, too. If we're going to do great things for God, there's going to be tension. There's going to be a struggle. And that struggle's in here, or maybe up here. And God's going to stretch us. Um, God's going God's to work on us. But it's the tension, it's the, the stretching of us to step into territory we've never been before. We come out stronger. We come out uh, where we can endure more. You know, if you take a barbell and you just pick up the bar and you start curling the bar, you can probably do that for a long time, but it's probably not going to build very many muscles. But if you put a 20-pound weight or 30-pound weight on each side and you start curling that bar, and you start feeling the resistance. And then in long, and you've got some big old, you've got muscles like Connor Sullivan. You've got, you got muscles, man. But it's, the growth does not come from doing nothing. It comes from being under stress, under the weight. Paul said this, he said, I have fought a good fight and I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. He said, I fought. I don't want to fight. I don't either. But he said, I fought, and I finished the race. I, I, I completed the race. I don't want to run. I don't either. But he said, henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give to me, and not to me only, but to all that love his appearing." the beautiful thing that comes out on the other side. Paul said, run to obtain. Jesus said it this way. Strive to enter in. We're called to deny self. Take up the cross every day. And so here was this man, Jonah. Jonah had a call. He chose to avoid it. He tried to hide from it, but God was going after him. But you know, the reality is is that God didn't just give up on Jonah. God didn't give up on Nineveh. And you know, when Jonah said, you know what, I'm going to go hide in the ship. I'm going to go the opposite direction. It, it reveals to us, this, this, is, this is a beautiful story in the Bible. We often just kind of focus on the whale and Jonah. But this story is, is, is powerful because it, it reveals how God deals with disobedience. God just doesn't simply ignore disobedience. And again, it's not so he can crush people. It's because he's merciful and because he loves people. And so he goes after people even when they're not doing right, even when they disobey. A person can head in the opposite direction of God's plan for their life, and they may try to hide from that call, but ultimately God's going to deal with that person. And I would just tell us today in this life class that it makes a lot more sense in the long run to just simply do what God's calling us to do than it is to disobey his voice because it gets a lot more Painful and uncomfortable when we disobey his voice. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, I don't, I don't know that I have those scriptures in there, Brother Good, but um, I'm not going to turn to him. Hebrews chapter 12 talks about the chastisement of the Lord. He says, whom he loves, he chastises, or he, he chasteneth. The Lord, like a father, chastens his son. So God, God looks at Jonah, and Jonah's disobedient to the call, God just doesn't sit back and just fold his arms about, Jonah, you just go do whatever you want to do. God said, no, I'm going after you. I care enough about you to go and reach after you. And so whom the Lord loves, he chastises or he chasteneth as a father chastens his son. And it's interesting when you read Hebrews 12 that it says that um, it's for our profit. That's what it, it actually says. It's for our profit. God's doing a great thing. God, when God goes after us, when we hear God's voice speaking in us, in our hearts, in our minds, and, and God's dealing with us, it's, it's because He wants to help us. And, and it, even, it also says there in Hebrews chapter 12 that it, it can be grievous in the, be grievous at the beginning, but it produces the fruit of righteousness. God dealt with Adam and Eve whenever they disobeyed the Lord. Remember the Lord goes in the garden? He says, "Adam, where are you?" Adam and Eve they had eaten of that fruit. They went and hid themselves, tried to hide. We know we've done wrong. I'm just going to go hide over here. God's maybe God won't find me. Hey, Adam, where are you? He knew where he was. He said, "Adam, I care too much about you." He lays out the plan of redemption. God dealt with King David. Brother Jones talked about that last week. God even dealt with King Saul in his disobedience. That's where whenever Saul thought, you know, Saul started out so well, but somewhere along the road, he went downhill. And Saul thought he was something special. He thought he was something that he could just go in the temple and offer sacrifices. And when he did, here came Samuel the prophet. And he said, uh, in First in Samuel 15, Samuel said to Saul, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, to hearken than the fat of rams. He said, you know, I think sometimes people may get in their mind, well, I've done all this for the Lord. Why can't I get away with this? And the Lord said, to obey is better than sacrifice. And then he said in the very next verse, for rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, stubbornness, is as iniquity and idolatry. Rebe- that, that, that word witchcraft, it, it has to do with divina- divination. It's talking about dealing with evil spirits. And it, was, it is an abomination to the Lord. It's detestable to the Lord. But God was merciful. i get back to our story here. Jonah Jonah had gone the wrong direction, but God was giving him another opportunity. God was extending his mercy toward Nineveh. So chapter 2, verse number 1, Jonah chapter 2, verse number 1, if you still have your Bibles open, then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my cry. Verse 3, for thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods can pass me about. And all thy billows and thy waves passed me over. So God's given Jonah another chance, so Nineveh will have another chance. Let me know that God says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is not willing that any should perish. God even cared about Nineveh. So chapter 3 of Jonah, and the word of the, verse 1, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. That's a, that's, a, that's a good phrase right there, the second time. Arise, go unto Nineveh, the great city, preach unto, the, preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. And so even though Jonah had utterly failed, the Lord showed mercy to him, gave him a second chance, gave him another opportunity. I thank God he is so patient with me. I thank God he's, he gives us opportunity after opportunity. That's, that's what his great mercy is all about. I don't have one of those sheets, but that's what his great mercy is all about. Is God just gives us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. God does not expect us to be perfect. But when he comes calling, he gives us another opportunity to repent. The call to repent is his mercy on display. Lamentations 321, very familiar verse. This I recall to mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy Faithfulness, Amen. God loves us enough that He's not going to wipe us out. That's great. God loves us enough; He's not just going to just just push us aside. But God loves us enough as a father that He goes after us, <clears throat> Amen. Even when even when God destroyed the world by a flood, there was a an opportunity for people to change, because Noah was out there preaching righteousness. Didn't the Bible say Noah was a preacher of righteousness? He's preaching repent get right get on the boat those people that heard jonah or noah they had the opportunity to get on the boat when fire fell down from heaven on the cities of sodom and gomorrah there were angels that delivered lot and his daughters when the walls of jericho fell god provided a way of escape for rahab and her family god is not the kind that looks for opportunities to annihilate people god is not that kind of a god he wants everybody to turn to him and change. That's his unconditional love. You know God loves us unconditionally. And what that means, what that literally means is God loves us completely. He loves us completely. But there's there's nothing that we can do to make God love us more. I can't do more things, get involved in more things to get God to love me more. He already loves me completely. And The opposite of that is true also. I can't do things to make God love me less because his love is unconditional. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse number, excuse me, chapter 2, verse number 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? His great love. Even, Even when we were dead in sins. He's quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved, Hath raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Amen. While we were yet sinners, God loved us. We can't do anything to make him love us more. But here's the deal. Because God loves people, he doesn't stop reaching for them. This, this is what's unfolding here in the book of Jonah, is God's reaching for, even Nineveh, where they used to just do some horrible things. This, this was a part of the Assyrian Empire. I don't want to be more crude or anything, but they just, they had a reputation of, of displaying their, their victories in, in, in a morbid way. But as God's reaching people, he needs Jonah's. So, so just, just, we just got 10 more minutes here, but just think about the story of Jonah. God was using Jonah to reach a Nineveh. So that means God needs Jonah's to reach places like Nineveh. Now, isn't that something? That God needs Isaiah's who will say, Here am I, Lord, send me. That was Isaiah's response. Here am I, Lord, send me. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach? Except they be sent. How beautiful are the feet of them that bring glad tidings of good things. God uses people like Jonah. God uses people like the Apostle Paul. And it's not just preachers, but God uses people like Aquila and Priscilla. There are many people in Scripture that God uses. God uses people just like in this, this, in our church. God uses people just like you and me in our church. And, and many people here today, you've, you've brought people to church. Many people you have witnessed, many of you have witnessed to people and reached out. That means God's using you to reach people out there. When we first came to Shakota, we came in 2003. I don't know when you brought Laura Branch, but I remember you witnessing to your your coworker, Laura Branch. And uh, God moved on. We taught her Bible studies, but God used you to do that. And, and I don't mean to embarrass you, but I, 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 can just, I can see in my mind the people that you have brought to church and witnessed to people. But, see, that's when we become Jonas, and that's God's using a Well, I don't want to do that. It's, it's uncomfortable. I might be rejected. You know what? You know what Paul said this? Paul said this. He said, he said to some, this is a powerful verse. He said, to some we are the saver of life. He said, but to others we're the saver of death. Not everybody accepts the message. Not everybody will, will embrace it, but we preach the gospel. Where are the intercessors? We're the intercessors. We're standing in the gap. Noah was the intercessor to his generation. Abraham was the intercessor to Sodom. Moses was the intercessor for Israel when God was ready to destroy them and start over. Ezekiel was the intercessor prophet who stood in the gap. Jonah was the intercessor who preached to the wicked city of Nineveh. Paul was the intercessor to Europe in the first century. And the church today is the intercessor to our generation. We are the ones it's it's it falls on us just like it fell upon Jonah. Well, I don't like I don't like America, I don't like what's going on in our country. That's not the point. It's it's God has put us here for a reason. You know, after the Civil War, after you know, at the end of the Civil War, um, Lincoln is Lincoln stands on the balcony of the White House. This is after Lee surrendered to, or, yeah, Lee surrendered to Grant at Appomattox. And Lincoln's given this speech. He's talking about the union, and he's given this speech. And the question was asked, what are we going to do with all the rebels? Somebody yelled from the crowd, hang them, hang them all. And the story that I read, Lincoln's son, I don't know if it was Todd or Tad, I can't remember which one it was, but Lincoln's son said, don't hang him, hang on to him. Don't hang him, hang on to him. And Lincoln's, Lincoln's primary goal was to preserve the Union. That's what he was, all, he wanted to save the country. If the country divided, you know, as a result of the Civil War, the country would have a, fallen apart, and it almost did. But he wanted to preserve the Union. But it, you know, I, I, think, about, I think about the trouble in America, And I've got to finish up here, but I I think about all of the problems in America and I think about the politics and I think about all the the moral issues and it would be very easy for for us to get wrapped up in that. And and to get caught up in that and say, well, well, they're liberals. I'm not going to preach to the liberals. I think we miss the point when we get caught up in that. We're we're the Jonas to the Nineveh's and and we're the intercessors to the liberals and the conservatives and the Democrats and the Republicans the Trump supporters and the Biden supporters we're the intercessors we're not the ones who are supposed to say no you don't belong in the church because you support that president that's that's not the point at all it's we're reaching for Nineveh we're not Jonah we're not gonna go hide and down on the side of the boat we're gonna we're gonna go because God's merciful. And that's what ultimately happened after God called Jonah the second time. Jonah goes down to Nineveh and he preaches and the city repents. And then the story here, this chapter four that we read, Jonah's mad. Jonah's mad because they repented, because God was willing to reach out to those people. And, and, and I pray that God helps us as a church, that we never, I don't know if people still say this, cop attitude. I pray we never get an attitude toward people in Chicago or people in, in America over something as silly as politics. Because we are the Jonas. And that's the Nineveh out there. So we're preaching. The, the, the problem is not, I don't know how I got on this. Party is not, the problem is not party affiliation. The problem is sin. And the remedy for sin is still the gospel. So we're preaching the gospel. Acts 2.38. Reach them, love them. We are the salt of the earth. But Jonah was angry. And that, those, those focus verses there. God just set him straight. Jonah. Verse number 10. He said, Jonah, you had pity on that gourd. That little plant, that bush that grew up. For which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night perished in a night, should not I spare Nineveh that great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern their right hand from their left. Amen. Paul said, I am a debtor. I'm a debtor to the Greeks and to the barbarians. I, I, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. Woe is New Life United Pentecostal Church if we don't fulfill our purpose. Whoa, Is new life, United Pentecost Church, if we just kind of just hide in the corner and never teach a Bible study, we never talk to people, and we never invite them into the house of the Lord. God, help us to fulfill our purpose, amen. We are ambassadors for Christ, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, we are salt, and we are light, amen. Why don't we stand together? Let's ask the Lord to help us today. Let's ask the Lord to help us to be his church, to be his light. God, we love you today. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to serve you. Thank you, Lord, for the church. Thank you, Lord, for the day that you called our name. Lord, that you called us out of sin into this marvelous light. But, Lord, today we need your direction. We need, God, encouragement and boldness, Lord. Lord, to fulfill the purpose you have for our lives. We pray, O God, that you would anoint this, this church family, this congregation. Anoint, Lord, our families and our homes. God, to be soul winners, to reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, I pray your blessing upon us today. Guide our steps. Order them, Lord, in your word. We honor you, Lord, today. And bless your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to do work for the Lord. And I want to be faithful in what God has called me to do. Amen. We're going to take a break here. You can step out the sanctuary. God bless you.